Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, I have my welcome to those of you watching online. We're glad that you're watching today. Uh, many on vacation right now, as Pastor Tristan said earlier, and we're just believing they get a good rest. And like, uh, like he said, we're going to remind you, try to remind you a little bit. This Wednesday, we're going to have uh, continue our series on the end times and uh, prophetic destiny. This past week was powerful. It was hard for me to bring that teaching, uh, but it was a great, great uh, night, and we're thankful. This week we're continuing, and it's going to be powerful on Wednesday night. And then Friday night is our Sunday morning service. This Friday night, Sunday morning, okay? It's, we're doing Sunday morning like this, but we're doing it on Friday night. It will be live streamed if you're already on vacation for 4th of July. But um, because, the, because this year the 4th is actually on a Sunday, next Sunday is the 4th, we just felt like there's going to be so many people out anyway. And you know what? We have so many. I just want to honor all of our tech crew, our ushers, our greeters, our children's workers, all of our counting team, all the, everybody that works in this church works so hard and is so faithful week after week. It's a great thing to be able to give all the volunteers a, a, a Sunday off as well. Amen? Amen? So just don't get used to it. Anyway. All right, if you can start my clock over. They already, they already started my clock. I didn't even start preaching yet. Anyway, so. anyway let's, go back to, let's go back. Anyway, today we're finishing our series on arrows in the hands of a warrior. Today's message is called Arrows of Redemption. And uh, this is the halfway point of 2021. This is the final Sunday of the first half of 2021. So today we're going to do a check up report card on how you're doing with your New Year's resolution. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> I knew that would get a few people because we, uh, by week three, a lot of people were, by the third day, somewhere. Anyway, we're going to get into it. I, I want I, I felt to really kind of have a pastoral chat with you. So those of you that are newer, those of you newer around here, uh, I appreciate that you're here, and you're, we want you to listen, but this is, this is a pastoral heart chat this week, okay? This is my concern as a pastor for where we are leaning into the spirit of revival, a summer of recovery, an awakening that is happening worldwide that we don't want to miss. We don't want to be part of it, okay? So our text today, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are God's love gift. They are heaven's generous reward. I love that. Children born to a young couple will one day rise to protect and provide for their parents. Somebody say amen. amen. I want my children say amen. No. <laughs> Happy will be the couple who has many of them. A household full of children will not bring shame on your name, but victory when you face your enemies. For your offspring will have influence and honor to prevail on your behalf. They are your arrows in the hands of a warrior. Psalm 107 verse 1 is where we're going to be today. 
Verse 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. You said, Pastor, but what about all the stuff going on? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. What about the collapse of the building in Miami? We pray for those people. Our hearts go out, but give thanks to the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Can you say amen? Amen. Let the redeemed, verse two says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. (laughs) Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We used to sing a song in the Presbyterian church called Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It. Oh, I can still hear that hymn. Pastor Lindsay wouldn't know it, so I'm not gonna try it. But I can hear Jimmy Young with his deep bass voice singing in my ears. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you come, Holy Spirit, let your word come forth today in power. Let your word come forth today with signs and wonders showing your mighty hand. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we already had a miracle today, in case you don't know. There was bad news we came in today, but then I was standing here in praise and worship, I was, I was filled with good news. We came in today, and one of the transformers apparently on our property blew last night or sometime and knocked out the annex building back here and knocked out our water system. So the water is not working. So don't think about flowing brooks or running streams. Okay? Now for the men, we have the waterless tanks back there for you. Ladies, I'm sorry. But here's the miracle. For some reason, this building and this power and this AC is still on. And this sound and this music and this thing. So we're going on. We'd be going on anyway. But what a miracle. So we got the bad news, but really the good news is, look what God did to protect us where we can have church today. Amen? Powerful. Anyway, last week we finished the parable with the parable of the prodigal son, illustrating a father's love is about redemption, that the, the, the prodigal son came home in beggar's clothes, looking like he'd been on skid row, and the father took him as a mighty redeemer and brought out his favorite robe, which is righteousness, brought out his signet ring, which is his authority, and brought out his best shoes so he could put peace in the walk of his son. We said redeem. To redeem is the action of gaining or regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. We said repentance comes first. Your purchase clears something in redemption. You clear something from one state or position, one condition, a negative or disorderly condition. And in redemption, you place it in order and positivity. You place it into something with the potential for greatness. It is the act of exchanging something to make it better. And so today we talk to you and share some of our pastor's heart chat for the first half of 2021. T 
Today we're going to talk about the great exchange. The great exchange. Discovering God's redemptive purpose. You know, in the time of Joseph, um, at the moment when it looked like his dream and vision was not going to come to pass, is my sound still on? Kind of fading in and out there. Anyway, there we go. In the time of Joseph, when Pharaoh has a dream, he has two dreams. Pharaoh, uh, and Joseph's in prison. He's been thrown in there, and it doesn't look like he's ever going to get out. And it's for a crime he didn't commit. He's an innocent man. Pharaoh has two dreams. He has a dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows that come and eat up the fat cows. Then the next night, he has a dream about seven healthy stalks of grain and seven blighted stalks of grain, and he sees the blighted stalks devouring the healthy stalks of grain, and he goes to his wise men and all the soothsayers of the day and says, hey, what does it mean? Nobody could interpret it. Nobody knew what it meant until one of his assistants remembered that he'd been in prison, thrown there by the Pharaoh a couple years, two years before, and said, wait a minute, there's a There's a Hebrew guy in there named Joseph, and he interprets dreams. So he brought him out, stood him before him, and he shares his dreams, and Joseph has the spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit of wisdom comes upon him. He says, well, I know exactly what that is. That's seven years of prosperity, followed by seven years of famine so severe it would remove even the memory of how good the previous time had been. It would deplete it. So seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. And he says the dream came twice because God had established it. The Bible says in the mouths of two or three witnesses, every word is established. So in Genesis 41, 33, he says to him, here's what I say from God. He prophesies, now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man, set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. Let there be a, a, a prosperity tax for seven years and there'll be 20% and we're gonna take and store up for seven years and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep the food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? So he says, Pharaoh says, okay, you said find a man, you the man. The Holy Spirit gave you this, you got the strategy, you must have the the power to oversee it. So he immediately pardons Joseph, who's a prisoner for a rape he didn't commit, and he makes him prime minister, the most powerful nation on earth at that time was Egypt, and he makes him prime minister of Egypt, and he redeems him. Dragon, he redeems him. He pays the price to get him out of prison with his word, brings him out and sets him in 
He was a prisoner and now he's prime minister. That's redemption. Are you getting it? Now, let's go to Malachi chapter three to get into the heart chat part. I haven't talked about this in a long time, but let's read the word. Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Why we rob God? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. <clears throat> now it doesn't say God curses you, and I'll go over that in a bit. You are cursed with a curse. For if you have robbed me, even this whole nation, therefore bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11, and, everybody say and. And is one of those words, and if you act before midnight tonight, you get the bonus. We'll give you two blenders. He says, and, I'm gonna bless you, and. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the land, says the Lord of hosts. What am I saying? There are people in this church that God has called us to pastor and you are living under a curse. I know that, and you know that. And I'll do everything I can to help you because you're not tithing, you are under a curse. I'm not pronouncing a curse on you, and God is not pronouncing a curse on you. It's not from me, it's not from God. God isn't cursing you. He's angry, he's not, he's not angry, and, and punishing you, that's what people get. We live in a fallen world that is under a curse. And what the tithes and offerings do is bring a financial covenant and relationship between you and God that brings you and, and redeems what you have and brings it out from under a position of being cursed and brings it into a position of being blessed and not only that brings it to a position where the devourer can't touch it. <clears throat> when God says the word rebuke, it, the, the, the picture that I always had, somebody taught me 35 years ago, the picture of the word rebuke is to place in handcuffs. Not that the enemy won't try, but the devil has no power over your life when he's handcuffed. God says, I will rebuke the devourer. So you, you, will a man rob God? Listen, nobody here is gonna run in and steal something from the offering plate. But the problem is people come in and they sit and they sporadically do something. And I'll demonstrate it to you. I'll show you more in the word as we get into this. But God wants his arrows blessed. The Lord wants to bring your finances and your life out from under any curse. That's one of the reasons why Jesus went to the cross, to set you free from the curse that's on the earth. 
This is the principle of redemption. You have to bring, he said, bring the tithe source. He didn't say send it to your favorite podcast. He didn't say send it to the TV preacher. He didn't say sow it to a Christian school or give it to a ministry. He said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's the place where you're fed. It's the place where God's meat is there for you. You want meat in the house? You've got to be a tither. You say, Pastor, this makes me uncomfortable. I know. It makes me uncomfortable saying it, but I've pledged to God to tell you the truth and give it to you just like God gives it to me every week, week in, week out. Those of you that are newer, don't shut down and say, well, he must talk about money all the time. We don't. What we do in our tithes and offerings, usually we say thank you for giving. Here's what we've been doing with it. But sometimes you got to get back to the word. Listen, every time you get paid or blessed, the first portion of your finances is the tithe. And when you pay that, when you present, when you bring it, then you redeem the rest of your money that you have. God says, I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll rebuke the devourer. In other words, what Joseph knew, who was a son of Jacob, who when he discovered God in Genesis, he said, God, if you bring me back to this place, Bethel, I will give the first tenth and I will tithe everything of my life to you. He taught his sons. Joseph gets it. He comes in that place. I don't know how he was tithing with with, uh, in Potiphar's house or what he was doing in the prison, but he, was the, he became the steward of everything in those places. He was blessed everywhere he went, even when he was in a hard spot. Joseph realizes the only way you can keep the skinny cows from eating your fat cows is to get this thing aligned with God and get connected to God. My friends, There are two testimonies in the earth and only two when it comes to tithing. Tithers, almost every tither I've I've met in my whole life says to me, we're blessed. Whether it was during 9-11 or after, whether it was during the global economic downturn or whether it was during COVID-19, Tithers said, Pastor, we're going to be okay. We're blessed. And non-tithers always have the same testimony. I don't care who it is. What is it? I can't afford to tithe. Non-tithers always have the testimony. Well, I would tithe if I could afford to, but I can't afford to. So let me tell you something. The tithers, we're blessed. No matter what's going on in the earth, we're blessed. That means easy, but we're blessed. We sense God is with us, on us, and through us. We're gonna be okay. We're blessed. Because God's with us. We have a covenant. And non-tithers say, I can't afford to tithe. This ain't rocket science. I'm not a mathematician but I can figure out this truth. 
Apparently, you'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. <laughs> Let's keep that up there for a moment. I want us to think about that. You'll never be able to afford, I can deduce from the two testimonies in the world that you're never gonna be able to afford to tithe if you're waiting for something to fall out of heaven for your lottery ticket to cash in, for your ship to come into the dock without sinking, for whatever, whatever you're waiting on. People that don't tithe are waiting on something else external to happen to, to be a sign unto them. Yo, it will be a sign unto you. You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Why? Because you're under a cursed system until you step out in faith and obedience. And then God shows up. In fact, God even said, prove me now. The tithe breaks the curse and redeems the rest. Most, most folks realize that every time you start to get ahead, something else breaks down. That's the devourer. Even non-tithers, especially non-tithers, <clears throat> would have to admit that every time you just start to get, oh, we've got a good tax refund, or, or this happened, or we got that, or, or we got a bonus at work, we're going to be good now. Something else breaks down to eat it. And the devourer doesn't stop with your finances either. We're not just about talking about money here. The devourer wants to eat up your marriage, your peace, your family, your joy, and your kids. The devourer wants to go and eat up all the good that God wants to do in your life, all the blessings of God. <clears throat> so God says, here's the deal. Put me first with the 10%, first 10%, and I'll stop the destroyer from destroying your fruit. How many realize that just from a business standpoint, that's a great deal? Even from a business, just if you had, from a business, completely business standpoint alone, <clears throat> somebody says, look, if you give me 10% of your business, I'm gonna protect the other 90% for you from dumb stuff trying to steal it. Wow, that's a good deal. That's a great deal. <clears throat> now, Exodus 13 talks about the principle of the firsts. I wanna go there for a couple moments. Exodus 13, one from the Amplified says this, the Lord said to Moses, sanctify, consecrate, set apart to me all the firstborn males Whatever is the first to open the womb. In other words, the, the first, every first birth of every sheep, every cow, every human, the first birth, the first. God says, whatever is the first to open the womb among the Israelites, both of man and of beast, is mine. Now that language there is the language of first fruits. It's the language of the tithe. So God says the firstborn of every family and every herd or flock is holy and belongs to God. So in Genesis 47, when Joseph is implementing 
the plan, this is, so Exodus happens later, right? Exodus, there's all these principles that Moses is starting to get from God that Joseph already had in his spirit. Genesis 47, 26. Here's how Joseph implemented the 20% tax and saved the world from starvation. Verse 26. So Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh shall have one-fifth, except, except what? What's the exception? Except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. So, so this is not an Egyptian concept. This is a, a Jewish concept, an Israeli concept. This is the son of Israel, Joseph. He says, okay, we're gonna put a fat cow tax during the great years, except not God's land, not where the priests dwell, not the holy, that, whole, that land over there is set apart, it's holy. That part belongs to God, we're not touching that. Pharaoh doesn't get this. The budget doesn't get this. The bills, they don't get that. The savings, they don't get that. Something is set apart. So even in Joseph, in this whole principle of how the, how the presence of God comes and how God blesses them through that time, it's a God principle. It's a key to the blessing on the storehouses. He said, we, we don't just need to store up 20% of everybody's grain. We need God to bless that. You hearing me? We need God to work. We need God in this with us. <clears throat> so, down to verse 12 of Exodus 13. He's talking about now rebuking the blighted. I'm gonna rebuke the blighted stalks. I'm gonna keep the devourer from eating your resources. Verse 12, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you won't redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Well, this, is, this sounds all real, old. I, know, I know this is real Old Testament stuff, but track with me because we're going somewhere really awesome and powerful, okay? So this is, so basically God says, okay, I want you to set apart every firstborn. Now, how many, believe, how many know God doesn't believe in human sacrifice? Only Jesus went to be our sacrifice. So he says, of the, people of God and of the clean animals, you're going to redeem them. Okay, you're gonna sacrifice, pardon me, I said the wrong thing, I said it the wrong way. The unclean animals and the people, you're going to redeem them, redemption, but you can sacrifice a clean animal. So in other words, if a lamb is born, to its first, what's born to you, E-W-E, born to you. The lamb comes, the lamb, the firstborn lamb, first time that mama lamb, that mama sheep gives birth, that lamb, that farmer is gonna come, that sheep herder is gonna come out. He's gonna say, welcome to the world. I'm giving you to God. And he sacrifices it and gives it to God. But the unclean animals like donkeys, the non-kosher, he said, you can't, you, they're unclean. You have to sacrifice a clean animal for the unclean. Going somewhere good, please 
Just keep your heart open, okay? And he says, the firstborn, if you don't redeem the donkey, then you're going to break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. My friends, what does that, what does that mean? You, if, you, if you don't redeem the donkey, you're going to break its neck. If you don't redeem something, bringing it out from under the curse, you're going to lose it anyway. That's what that means. He says, you're going you're gonna to lose, lose the benefit of that donkey anyway, so redeem it by sacrificing the, first, the firstborn donkey comes, you can't kill the donkey, it's, it's unclean. Clean has to substitute for unclean. Just stay, hang in here, hang in here. The tithe is going out of your account one way or another. The tithe is going out of your account one way or the other. All you non-tithers or not consistent givers, non-consistent tithers, Either way, it's going out of your account. But if you do it by faith and bring it before God, you cause a blessing to redeem the rest or the devourer has access to all of it. It's your choice. 90% with God's blessing goes further than 100% without. We've said that for a long time. So the firstborn animal had to either be sacrificed or redeemed. It was about kosher so track me, don't get foggy brain by going to Old Testament on me here because everything in the Bible, here we're getting to the good stuff. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Everything in the word <clears throat> points to Jesus Christ. So here's a question. Were you born clean or unclean in this world? It's not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to trick you here. Were you born Clean or unclean? We were born unclean. We were born with a sin nature, the Bible says, right? <clears throat> I'll prove it to you. How many have kids? Did any of you ever have to teach your children how to be bad? <laughs> did you have to teach that? Did you have to, did you have to, now let me show you. Here's how you can be really bad. Nope. <clears throat> Why? Comes natural. Being bad comes natural. Why? Because we're born in sin. What about Jesus? Was Jesus born clean or unclean? He was born clean. Jesus the clean then became the spotless lamb of God that had to be sacrificed. So the lamb had to be sacrificed for a bunch of donkeys or what the King James says, asses of the world. Are you tracking with me? So the tithe is a picture of Jesus. There are some people that rail against tithing, even mistakenly believing it was only part of the law of Moses. It's not true, and I'll prove it to you again and again from Scripture. But I want you to know, if you speak against tithing, you speak against Jesus, our Redeemer. Why? Because Jesus is God's tithe. He's the firstborn of Mary's womb, born of the Holy Spirit, conceived by God, the only begotten Son. And the only way to redeem the donkeys of the world, the unclean, is by sacrificing the clean. Jesus went to the cross so the rest of us could be redeemed from our broken condition. The tithe is first 
presented by faith, God sowed his first son to get millions and millions more sons and daughters. Notice God never said, wait till your sheep has 10 lambs, then give me one. No, he said, give me the first. Because when it's the only one you've got, it's a sacrifice and I'll give you more. What am I saying? Put first things first. Put first things first. The Bible, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and what? All these other things you need will be added unto you. He said the world knows they they need the same thing, but you know the key. Seek first God's kingdom. When conquering Canaan, God said all the silver and the gold in Jericho was his to be brought into the treasury of his house. Why? Because it was the first city that they took in the promised land. Then all the others would be redeemed, be brought into blessing. What happened? A young man named Achan stole some of the stuff from Jericho for himself and hid it under his tent. And, it, and the next battle that Israel faced, they lost at Ai. Why? Because God said, don't touch that because it's mine. The Lord didn't give them an option. They had to repent, by the way, by finding Achan and being obedient to God to end that family. The Lord didn't give them the option. He didn't say, conquer 10 cities and give me the treasures of one. Just pick one. He says, first. First, everybody say first. I'll prove it to you how important this is. We're almost done. The principle of first is throughout scripture. Way before the law of Moses. In fact, Genesis 4, I saw something this week that I've never seen before. I never understood this way. In the story of Cain and Abel, Genesis 4, Adam and Eve's own firstborn twins, firstborn sons, it says in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, the law of the firstborn is also the law of the first fruits. It's the same thing. I used to read this as he's supposed to bring meat, but he was a, he was a tiller of the ground. He, he, his thing, what he had for his increase was fruit. <clears throat> but here's the problem. In the process of time, It came to pass. In other words, whenever Cain felt like it, he brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Look at the language, verse four. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Why? It wasn't wasn't about vegetables, which, you know, I, I always want to blame it on the vegetables. What about offering broccoli up as a, as a substitute? It was Cain had a, well, whenever I can afford to, I'm gonna stop by and bring something to God. But Abel was a tither. They must have been taught by Adam about the first fruits and the first, the firstborn because the first, the one that gave the first was blessed 
and the one that gave the offering without the first, God cannot accept second place, my friends. He is a holy God. He cannot accept second place. God will not play second fiddle. He will not be on the back burner. He will not be plan B. The first murder in scripture, in the whole Bible, first murder in the world, takes place over the issue of tithing. God's way or your way. Let me just give a quick illustration. We're almost done, I promise. So you get $1,000. This is, this is not monopoly money. This is a real deal. Okay, you get, you get $1,000. You and your family just got blessed with $1,000. How many happy about it? Okay. All right. Now, it's 10 $100 bills right there. Tim, can you verify that's 10 $100 bills? Marv, the 10 one, okay. So here's the, th- here's the question. Which one is the tithe? Okay, you're saying the right answer, but how do you know? Whatever is the first one that you touch, it's not necessarily that one, it's the first one you touch that leaves your hand. And the moment you take that and you, and you say, God, you're first, these other nine are redeemed. Now these other nine are blessed, and they're going to go further than if you'd have had that thing and just stuff it in your pocket. So you get this, you, you, God, you're, you're first. Now what happens? These other nine have the buying power of more than the $1,000. That's why, remember I told you that, uh, 10%, uh, excuse me, 100% minus 10% equals 110%. Because when God gets involved with you, how many would rather have $900 that are blessed than $1,000 still under the curse of the world, still under the fallen nature of the earth? How many would rather have that? Amen? So you got to set that. See, the first one has the potential to redeem the other nine. That's what you got to know. The first, the first one, the first one you take out of hand, the first one that leaves your hand right there has the power of God, the potential to redeem the other nine. Now, let me say this. When you sit down to pay your bills and you figure out that you don't have enough left over to bring God's tithe, recognize you gave the first fruits to the mortgage company or the electric company. An electric company may be great, but they got no power to redeem the rest of your finances. So now your finances are sitting there in limbo under a curse when you're trying to move them, but here you go, ah, I don't know what to do. Listen, here's the deal. As your pastor, I want to see you blessed. Our pastors, our team, we want to see you blessed so badly we want you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed. But if we're setting priorities, think about this. Your priorities in your life, God, marriage, family, job, health, finances. You, you want us as your pastors to help you, not just in your God section, not just in what's number one, right? You want us to help you in your marriage and your family and your job and your health and your finances. Don't you, don't you want pastoral prayer and help and blessing? 
I just realized this week, we can't help you with number two, three, four, five, and six in your priorities if you won't take care of number one. And I don't want anybody to have to go pee now because I said number one. Sorry. Hopefully the power company's about to turn our power back on or our water back on. My friends, redemption is about moving you from a position of cursed, of being under that umbrella of a curse and move your life under the covering, under the umbrella of a loving heavenly father. Redemption is about moving you from curse to blessing. God loves you like you are. He'll meet you where you are. You are his arrow. But as his arrow, he's got to keep you straight. Because if the arrow ever gets bent, it'll never hit the target. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your holy word. Now, Father, if I brought your word like you gave it to me, I ask you to confirm it with signs and wonders and miracles to draw people to yourself, to reveal Jesus, your tithe. You said, unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, if it's planted and germinates, that one seed will bear much fruit. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you gave your best, that you so loved the world, that you gave your only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Be redeemed from the curse of the law that we might receive the blessing of Abraham. Lord, would you draw people to Jesus today? in this room and those watching online. Everything in the word points to you, Jesus. And we worship you. Help us to put you first. Help us to be God's seekers. Father, revive us. Breathe on us. Breathe on every business represented here. Every family, every idea, every industry, everything that you're with and for and behind, Holy Spirit, would you come and redeem? Everything that is unclean, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Father, we thank you for your truth today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, repentance happens when you take responsibility for your actions and you quit blaming everybody else. We're praying for you praying for you that the second half of 2021 is recovery, restoration, 
abundant life, not just financially, but including financially. In every way, we're praying and believing with you for your family to find new levels of peace and grace and breakthrough. We're praying for healing. In fact, after church today, we're praying for a couple of folks right down here that are dealing with some procedures and serious things going on in their health. If you need prayer, we're gonna be anointing people with oil after church in just a few moments. So you understand why I'm not gonna be in the hallway out there today. First things first, God will not be second because he's holy, not because he's mean. He loves you, but you, got, you have a part to play in saying yes. Amen? Give your life to Jesus today. Open your heart to him. Praying to receive Jesus is as simple as opening your mouth and saying, God, I've been trying to do this on my own. I've blown it. Forgive me. Help me start fresh in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.